Amen. Go ahead and be seated if you would. My name is Kyle, and I get to be the lead pastor of the Orange Campus of Friends Church. And it is not one of us is excited that I'm the pastor of the Orange Campus. I love that. Um, but I'm thrilled to be back with you guys uh, tonight. It probably has nothing to do with the fact that Alabama is playing tonight in about an hour in the NC2A tournament, so I'm sure Matthew just wasn't feeling well and didn't think ahead with that. But either way, um, I'm excited that we are going to get to continue really just to look at God's Word and unpack everything that we have been singing and declaring and proclaiming together in God's Word. I love that you're having a light show for Easter. Well done. That's incredible. We're having one at Friends Orange too. It's called the Sunrise. Comes in the windows right uh, at the top, and it say so you can come down there and check it out too if you want. It's amazing, uh, but we're thrilled to be with you guys tonight. I don't think it ever takes much time to convince people that we live in a very challenging world. My bet is in the midst of tonight, even in the 30 minutes or so that we've been together, that some of the challenges and difficulties that you have in your life probably are starting to melt away a little bit, which that's what God would want is to speak into those. Some of us take in, you know, work problems or financial problems. There's lots of relational issues that tend to surface, and we live in a challenging world. And when we hit challenges, oftentimes we want to go to people that are just like us. People that think like us, people that act like us, people that want to be like us, people that grew up like us, whatever it might be, people that behave like us. And we start to even think, is unity even possible? We kind of quit on it. You know, is it even available to us in the world? And I'm here to tell you that unity is absolutely possible, and I can prove it. How many of you have ever been on a chairlift? Lots of you guys. This is one of the most beautiful expressions of unity that was ever created in the world. You've got people that don't even know each other. They don't know what each other looks. They don't know where they grew up. They don't know what they drive. They don't know what neighborhood. And all of a sudden, they're coming down from this mountain. They're on snowboards. They're on skis. Some of them are really good. Some of them are terrible. And all of a sudden, they're all merging into this one place. And there's this sense of order and purpose. Single, yes, no problem. And all of a sudden, you're riding with these people you've never met before, and it doesn't matter. It's this perfect, perfect picture of unity. My family and I, we try and go up once or twice. You know, during the year, that's all of us. My oldest daughter couldn't make that trip. But we're just enjoying unity, not just as a family, even in the lift lines, until it goes bad. And all of a sudden, something like this unfolds right in front of you. And pretty soon, the lift stops. And next thing you know, it looks like this. And all of a sudden, there's no more joy. There's no more unity. There's no more happiness. All of that is melted away. And now all of a sudden, we're muttering at one another. And we're starting to go, who did this? Who's in front of this line and what does this look like? And we're just blaming one another. And we're thinking, should I jump out of line? I might be here until the end of the night. And all of a sudden we dislike and we think unity is impossible. And I'm never going skiing again, so don't even ask me. This was the worst time of my life. But really, chairlifts in many ways are a picture of life. We encounter circumstances like that all the time. Grocery stores, classic example. I don't know about you, I always choose the worst line at the grocery store. Anybody else? Like, and now it's like there's one cashier. They want me to do it myself, and I always break the machine. Right? I, somehow it goes off and bells and whistles, and I took a bag too soon or something. I just ruin everything every time I'm at the grocery store now. But grocery stores, these places where all of a sudden people from all walks of life 
just coming alongside one another. Amusement parks, same thing. All of a sudden, there's a sense of order, unity. We're all moving together for a common purpose. Freeways, roads, right? We all follow the rules and the laws. We follow the lane lines, especially when things are merging, right? Construction, you got those big arrows, and all of a sudden, all right, we got to figure this out without making the world go crazy. And all of these things are an opportunity for unity, or they're an opportunity for incredibly impatient people to start muttering and murmuring about one another, to start creating a sense of disdain and contempt, to start, I'm going to get in front of that car because I'm going to be 30 seconds later if I don't get in front of him, whatever it might be. Then we start blaming somebody, right, doesn't drive the way we drive. We get a little frustrated. And here's the thing. Ideally, even church can be just like this. It could be a, a fun chairlift ride. It could be a great line at the grocery store, the amusement park, where all of a sudden people walking in these doors come in from all walks of life. Some of these people sitting around you, you know, many of them, maybe most of them, you've never met. But all of a sudden, it's an opportunity for unity to unfold. Or sometimes a little murmuring, sometimes a little disagreement. Sometimes maybe you see somebody across the room, it's like, oh, he owes me money. Oh, that business deal went bad. Oh. Sometimes there's relational pain that exists in the world, starts to pull apart things. All of a sudden, church, it's like it can be the most unifying time or it could be one of the most painful experiences that we walk through. So what are we to do with that? Tonight, we're going to know exactly what to do with that. And that's why I'm so glad you guys are here. We're continuing our series called Transform, looking at Romans chapters 12 to 16 how we live out this life of faith that Paul writes about in chapters 1 through 11. Really what it is, is we're unpacking our mission statement as a church. And I invite you guys as we get started, let's just read this out loud together. We are becoming a community, here we go. We are becoming a community of authentic Christ followers compelled to change our world. That's exactly what Paul is writing about in these chapters of Romans. And where we've been, right, he talks about in Romans 12, a few where he starts about our renewed minds, how we don't conform to this world, but we're transformed as he renews our minds. You know, if you were here a couple weeks ago, Chris talked about what it looks like to be holy in the midst of being loving in this world. Last week, if you were here, right, Matthew, right, did a great job unpacking all the disputable matters that exist in the world, even in the church, and how we hold tightly to the things that are indisputable. And we hold loosely all the disputable matters. And today, what I love is this is where Paul kind of starts to take a turn. And he's talked to us about how this happens by renewing our mind. He's talked to us about being holy and loving. He's talked to us about all these disputable matters and stuff. And now he starts to turn the corner a little bit. And he, he starts to talk about, instead of what pulls us apart, he talks about what holds us together. And so tonight, we're going to see that, that unity is not only possible Unity is, is just a mandate by God, and it's only possible by the power of his spirit. Unity is available to us in a world of division. So I want to invite you guys, if you brought your Bibles, grab your Bibles. Turn to Romans. Remember, we're going through Romans. Turn to Romans chapter 14. We're going to hit chapter 14, the second half of it, from 13 on, a little bit in chapter 15. Love that you bring your Bibles. There's always Bibles available for you in the back. There's some in the seats I know. Feel free to write in them. Take them with you. You need a Bible. Everybody needs a Bible. Romans chapter 14. 
starting in verse 13. Here we go. So let's stop condemning each other, Paul writes. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. And then for these next few verses in 14 to 16, he kind of goes back and starts talking about food. Don't make food the issue, all those disputable matters Matthew talked about last week. He's saying, let those go, and then he changes his tone. So he goes into verse 17, and he says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God, and others will approve of you too. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. I love Paul, and I love the way he writes, because very clearly he reminds us of the objective and the goal of our lives as we follow Jesus together. And he says this in verse 19, he says, let us aim for harmony. Let us aim for, that's it. So what are we supposed to aim for? What's our goal? That's right, what's our objective? That's it. So when people come in, when you're driving in the parking lot, when you're walking in this room, we want people to feel harmony. That's right. You're not convinced yet, but you'll get there. I promise you. So that's it. He makes it really simple. I love Paul's right. I love the Bible, how simple it is. Let us aim for harmony. And we understand harmony, right? It's not like it meant something totally different when Paul wrote this in the first century, right? We've, we've been listening to it all night long. We've been singing it. It's when multiple notes are played together at the same time to create one sound that's beautiful. That's harmony. That's what he's saying. That's what our lives should be. That's our goal. Multiple notes, multiple lives, multiple ways of thinking, multiple ethnicities, right? Multiple backgrounds, all those things coming together to create one thing that's beautiful for this world. It's unity on display. And we know harmony when we hear it, right? You guys get to hear it every week as you come to church here, right? Don't you love the worship here? Don't you love that we get to come? This is beautiful. We get to understand harmony. You're getting a picture, right, of harmony every single week. We know it when we hear it. And you also know it when it's not in harmony, right? You don't need to be a music major to know when something's a little off. All of a sudden, you can hear it. It's like, oh, you may not be able to pinpoint why, but you're like, that's just a little off. The same thing, harmony, we know it when we see it. When the lift lines are working perfectly, it's harmony. It's beautiful. When the grocery store is moving right along, right, it's beautiful. When the lines at the amusement park are working, it's fantastic. When everybody on the road is just obeying the laws and letting people go, it's a turn, it's great, harmony. But we also know when it goes bad. It's pretty obvious to spot. We know it when we hear it, and we know it when we see it, or not. And here's the thing, it's not just Paul. Jesus knew the importance of harmony and unity. You guys probably remember, you're the Saturday night one, so you guys are really smart. So you probably remember a couple conversations that Jesus had. You remember the last conversation probably he had with his disciples in John 13, right before he went away to the cross. So you know he's trying to communicate the most important things to them at this point. And you know he takes the time then, he says, the whole world, the whole world is going to know who I am by the way that you, what? Love one another. With the way that you love one another, that's the way the whole world's going to, by the way that you live in harmony? By the way that you live unified, that's the way the whole world don't know. So maybe tonight you've never been here before. Maybe you've never even thought 
about Jesus or God, you just kind of stumbled in and maybe you're in a desperate spot. The goal, Jesus would say, Paul would say, is that you just get to see and hear and feel this sense of harmony, this sense of love that's almost inexplainable to the world. Not only that, it was the last prayer that Jesus prayed. In John chapter 17, the whole world is going to know that they're loved by the unity and the harmony of the church. We understand that. Jesus understood. So Paul reminds us of this objective, harmony. And not only that, it reminds us how harmony happens. He already said it, how it unfolds. Verse 17, it says, a life of goodness, right? If you have the NIV, it says righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is how harmony unfolds. If you want to be a part of the harmony of the church, it's living this life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the way we play our part. That's the way we get in line. That's the way we merge lanes. That's the way that people feel and see and know Jesus, by the living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And he's summarizing, essentially, Paul here, the last couple chapters that we've been looking at, right? Be loving and be holy, Don't get all bent up about disputable matters. Stay focused on the main thing. And he's summarizing that. He's saying, remember these things. This is what creates unity. And there's something interesting to know here. This is only possible in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Unity is only possible in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's saying you have to live this life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Apart from that, here's what's going to happen. You will run out of goodness. You will run out of patience. You will run out of peace. You will run out of kindness. You will run out of all of those resources. The only thing that gives you the opportunity to be united and loving and live in harmony is the power of the Holy Spirit. And you guys remember in that same conversation And John, that Jesus was having with his disciples, you remember, he said, anyone who trusts and believes in me, I'm going to give them this great gift. And this great gift, of course, was the Holy Spirit. And that's why he's saying this is the only thing that's going to hold you together, allow you to live in harmony. It's the gift we receive when we trust Jesus, put our faith in him. So this life of goodness and peace, enjoy the full life that Jesus promises in John chapter 10. It's the life that we were created to live, the the life that all of us would want to live, and the life that's possible to live through a relationship with God and the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's our objective is harmony, and how we get there is by trusting Jesus and walking in and through the Holy Spirit. And then Paul tells us the result, which is fantastic. What's the outcome of harmony? And he says this in verse 18, if you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. It's not surprising, right? This is exactly what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples and us in John 13, right? It's what he's saying. He's saying it's God's heart and desire from the very beginning that he would be in relationship with his people and that he would bless his people and through them the whole world would know who God is. And that's what he's saying here. In the Old Testament, many of you would remember, right, when, when God is declaring the Israelites, the Jewish people, as his people, he says, I'm going to be your God and you will be my people. And through you, I'm going to do, I'm going to bless you. And then you're to bless the whole world. And that's what he wanted. He just delighted in his people and in this relationship. And he was captain. He just wanted it to be captivating to the world around him. It's the same thing we see in Acts in the New Testament. 
In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, they're trying to set up the early church. And this is what it says about this group of people, just like us. This is what they were doing, and this is what happened. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and what? Enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. If you've been through Rooted, this is a very familiar passage for you. This is where we get the foundational rhythms of our life. If you haven't been through Rooted, that's okay. You're going to have an opportunity right after Easter. We'd love to have you jump in. But this is where we get it. This is where we get this idea of what it means to live in harmony and unity with each other. Our goal and objective, to live out this life of goodness and peace and joy empowered by the Holy Spirit. That the way that we love one another, the way that we welcome each other, the way that we worship God together would be so compelling to you that you would want to become a part of it. That's what God is saying here. That's what they're getting to see. And the early church was finding their way in these things. You could see these same rhythms that we walk in. They, they centered themselves around God's word and around prayer. They would meet together not just in large gatherings, but they would get together in people's homes where they could know each other and be seen and really wrestle with what God was doing in their life. They had relationships and care. They sold things. They were generous. They were kind. They were giving. They took care not only of one another, but they were blessing the world around them. These are the things we see in the early church and what happened what I love about the last verse. It says they had the favor, not just of the Christians, they had the favor of all the people because they were so loving, they were so kind, they were so full of goodness, they were so unified that the whole world was paying attention. And so what happened? They had their favor and the Lord added to their number every single day. People that wanted to be a part of that family and that story. And you need to know, I am incredibly proud to be a part of this church and this family because this is the story that continues to unfold after 120-some years here and 10 down at Friends Church in Orange, we're getting to continuing to experience the favor of all the people in our cities. We're churches that get to center ourselves around God's word and sing and proclaim and declare and celebrate, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to be generous and to give, and then to live our lives out in ways that, that love the city where we get to experience their favor. That's why we do things as a church, like boxes of love at Christmas, where we get to see families and foster kids and the forgotten youth of our cities. That's why. We're partnering with the city to love Yorba Linda in creative and new ways, where we get to go see people that otherwise wouldn't feel seen or valued. That's why we do loving families to come around the foster families in our county to love and bless them. That's why we started bringing the, the youth centers of Orange into our building at Friends Church in Orange. These are kids that live at or below the, the poverty line, most of them in the city. 
And we know that after school care, is, it's the most dangerous time for youth. And so we want to care for them and love them and bless them. That's why we opened a shop called Full Circle, right down in the center of Orange. Stuff, it's not about stuff, it's about what stuff can build, which is relationships. The kind of relationships we have with the city, not only people that come into shop, but, but Chapman, who gets to send us all kinds of their students, where we get to bless them and mentor them. Give them job skills, learn who they are, and just care for them in fun and creative ways. That's why when the city of Orange was saying, hey, would you, we need to, to solve and to care for the unhoused people, the homeless people in our county, in our city, would you help us do that? They came to us because we have the favor of the city, of the people, because we're living this out. We understand that the goal is unity. We don't let the disputable matters get in the way. We stay centered on Jesus, empowered by his spirit. You do the same thing here, and every one of you does it on a daily basis. It's how ministries like Lot 318 with Letty have gotten launched through the years to care for a neighborhood of people that are forgotten and unseen. Last week, if you were here, you got to hear from Annette from With Hope a ministry that she launched out of her own story to care for young people and their anxiety and worry, help them see themselves as valuable, that there's a way through the darkness so they don't give in to suicide. You see, every single one of you, you go to work every day, you go to a class every day, you're gonna go home tonight to roommates or to a family, you have an opportunity to put unity on display. A life of goodness, a life of patience, a life of peace, a life of love. This is what we get to do as Friends Church. This is what the church has always done because the goal is harmony. The way that happens is a life of goodness and peace and joy empowered by the Spirit. And then what we get to enjoy is the favor of all the people and more and more people that want to be a part of that story. That's what we get to join is this legacy. And yet, here's what we know, it's far from perfect. Not only what happens out there, even what happens in here, all of our church families, family's messy. And we understand that and we know that. And so what's the, the primary obstacle to unity? If you're reading through the Bible in one year with us, you know that uh, a week or so ago, Nikki Gumbel, who's the pastor there who, who does some commentary on it, he talked about three things that are challenges that come against this story of harmony. The first one is just the world itself and all of the tragedy and the trials that come our way. The second one is Satan. We have a very real enemy that's out to destroy us and to destroy this harmony, to destroy this unity. And then the last one he talked about, and I think this is the hardest one of all, it's basically yourself. The obstacle to unity, the obstacle to harmony, the obstacle to this life empowered by the Spirit is you. And for me, it's you. Totally kidding. For me, it's me. But essentially, that's what he's saying. That's the obstacle. And here, so here's what he says. Paul reminding and summarizing again over these last couple chapters at the very beginning in verse 13, he starts with this. So let's stop condemning each other. Full day, right? Let's just stop that. Let's just stop being so judgy with each other and with the world around us. And here's the thing. Judgment oftentimes, it doesn't begin there. It begins with just kind of the muttering and complaining and the blaming that I was talking about when things don't go right. 
But pretty soon, that can turn into gossip. You get somebody to listen, and they go, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I am right. And pretty soon, that turns into contempt and disdain. And then pretty soon, you're judging someone. And as soon as you judge them and saying, you're wrong and you're bad, all of a sudden, you hold them at a distance. And your heart, just from the inside out, you just start to go dark. And it just becomes an obstacle to what? The light and goodness and peace and everything that we're experiencing. And if you remember, remember, you got to remember the original audience, all right? So Chris and Matthew covered this a lot the last couple of weeks. I'll just really briefly. The original audience, remember, was, was Christians in Rome, but there was primarily two groups. There was these Jewish Christians and these Gentile Christians. And remember, the Jewish Christians, they had been raised with thousands and thousands of years of tradition. They had history, Right? They had festivals, they had laws, they had dietary restrictions, and all of these things were their way to relate to God. Anybody heard of the Ten Commandments? Right, so they had the only two people. I thought, this is Saturday night, right? I thought you guys knew this. So the Ten not only did they have ten, they had added like over 600 more, right, just to help explain what those ten really meant. So it's like, the, that's what these Jewish Christians all of a sudden are letting go of and being invited into the story of freedom and grace with Jesus. The Gentile Christians, on the other hand, they had none of that. They lived a life of no rules, no regulations, no festivals. No, They, they were out for themselves and anything they wanted. And Jesus invited them into this whole thing. So these people you got, they're just living in truth, baby. It's a lot of black and white, and we're going to explain everything to you. And these people, it's just all grace and freedom, and I got nothing. So that's what's colliding. And that's why he's saying unity is still possible even for people that are that far apart. And chances are... Everybody in this room, you come from a tradition that's probably relatively similar to one of these camps. Some of you grew up, right? You have no idea what the church was, rules, regulations, what? You never went to church. You had no experience. It's like all of a sudden, oh, grace. And then some of you, this is me, right? Like I'm this guy. I was raised in the church, you know, and, and my church was similar to this. In the sense of not all, you know, when I said yes to Jesus and was baptized as a kid, they handed me a manual. And this manual helped, it was like all those other commands. It, it helped me take all the gray areas, the disputable matters in the Bible and make them indisputable. And said, here's what it really means. And so I lived with this foundation of truth. And so that's what I brought into my story with Jesus. is like a whole lot of truth and a little bit of grace. And that's the way I've lived. And that then becomes my default, and that's how I show up. And some of you live with a whole lot of grace and just a little bit of truth, and you still want to live that way. And then all of a sudden, all this collides, and Paul's saying, look, unity, harmony, a life of goodness and peace, this is what's possible. But this tends to show up for me at the worst times, right? One of those is when I drive, so we're driving, my wife and I, I don't know, a week or so ago, something like that, honey. And all of a sudden, the person in front of me, they turn their blinker on, their turn signal, I want to get over. And I'm like, you know, pretty close to them. And so usually, I'd speed up and get around them and go, I'm not letting you over. But I decided, you know what, life of peace and grace, I'm just going to wait right here. They just keep driving right there with their turn signal on. Don't come on. Finally, I'm like, what's going on? Flash my high beams, right? The universal signal for come on over. <laughs> Nothing. 
They just sit right there. So by this time, I'm just like muttering to myself. Like, what's I start talking to the driver. She's like, do you think they can hear you? You know what I mean? And I'm like, I don't know, but I can hear me. And this is frustrating. So finally, I'm waiting and waiting. And so finally, they come over. And so I, what do I do? I just go around them. Like, and I don't know about you, but I have to look. <laughs> do you have to look? Like, you got to go, like, who's driving that car? What the, it just is like, what's happening with you? How many of you? So my wife asked me. She goes, do you really think that you're the best driver on the road? And I thought for a second, I said, yes, absolutely. I absolutely do. And she's like, you've got to be kidding. And I said, yeah. So how many of you just think you're the best driver on the road at any given moment, right? How many of you are, you just, you know you're not the best driver on the road. Like, I'm pretty lucky to get where I'm going. So I got news. I am the best driver on the road. So we've settled that. But here's the thing. I live in this place. And so for me, all these rules and so quick to start muttering and blaming and judging, that shows up in my life. Not just in driving, but it shows up in my relationships. It shows up at the worst times and in the worst ways with my family or with my wife. Right? Because there's rules for everything. I want to make rules for everything. Right? There's, rule, there's rules on how to load a dishwasher. But I don't know if you knew that or not. There's rules, right, on, on lights and when they're on and off. There's rules on thermostats and when they're on and off and what the temperatures and the right temperatures are and what the right. There's rules, which I actually think is a good one, to blow candles out when you leave the house. That seems to make sense. But all of these things, you know, just all of a sudden I can go from kind and goodness and gentleness and joy to like really angry pretty quickly because that's my default. And so I think that's what Paul's saying here is when he's saying, just, can we just stop condemning each other? For those of you that grew up like me with like a whole lot of truth and a little bit of grace, can you just be a little more gracious? Can you just slow it down a little bit? And for those of you with a whole lot of grace and a little bit of truth, can you just stop laughing at us? <laughs> that have rules and ways to drive and give us some grace. That's what Paul's inviting us into is, is that kind of a life. Maybe, I don't know, maybe there's a place in your life you've been a little judgy. Maybe there's a relationship. Maybe there's a way you move through life. He's just going, stop condemning each other. That's the hardest thing. That's what erodes harmony and unity faster than anything. So how do we find it then? How do we get there in a world of division real quickly? There's three things that Paul gives right at the beginning of chapter 15. I'll move through these pretty quickly, and, and here's what I bet. My bet is, is one of these three things is probably going to stand out a little more than the others. There's probably one that you feel like, I do pretty well in that, but there's probably one that God just wants you to pay more attention to tonight. So as we're going through these, just, just grab a hold of one. In Romans chapter 15, 5 and 6, he says this, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sounds a lot like harmony, doesn't it? One mind and one voice. And then the first thing he says that we get right at the top, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same thing. What's he saying? You've got to ask God. Everything you need comes from God. 
Everything you want comes from God. God is the giver of everything. And so I love that Paul starts in this place of you got to ask God. If you want to live a life of unity and harmony, you got to ask him. If you want to live a life of goodness, and I love that it says endurance, patience, and encouragement, you got to ask him. If you want him to reshape your thinking and your desires, you should ask him. Basically, and here's the thing, often because of my rules and because of my regulations, often I want to start with actions. And really what Paul's saying is don't start with actions, start with asking God. Don't start with behavior, start with prayer. And so the first thing I would say is, do you start everything in prayer? Do you start your day in prayer? Do you start your conversations in prayer? Do you go to work in prayer? You have to start meetings or everything in prayer if it's not appropriate. But I mean, just inside, are you asking God, God, would you give me the wisdom? Would you give me the grace? Would you give me the patience that I need for drivers with blinkers? Like literally, would you, are you asking God these things to shape you? He sees and he knows and he changes us by our thinking. God gives everything. So the one thing I'd ask is, what do you need in your life tonight? Do you need more patience? Do you long for more grace? Maybe for yourself as much as someone else. Just ask God. The second thing, in 15 verse 7, it says this, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So we ask God, and the second thing is just accept one another. Like I said, this was all of what last weekend was about. So if you were here, you got a great message from Matthew on it. If you didn't, it lives online. And I encourage you to go listen to it. Because it's all about accepting. The word there is welcoming one another. Actually taking hold of each other is what he's saying. Receiving one another. It's going after each other in a powerful way. And so one of the things that I've started doing, trying to do in my life, and the driving is a practical example of it is I'm trying just to, to receive other people by saying you first. So if it's a conversation, I just want to listen first. Tell me about that. I'll ask questions. If I'm driving, I'll literally slow down instead of speed up. If we're walking through doors, I'll try and be the last one through out of my party. Whatever it is, I'm just trying to put other people in front of me as much as I can in my life because it's eroding the rules and the legalism and the black and white that I live with, and it's moving me towards the middle of a life of goodness and peace and joy and harmony and grace. So you gotta ask God. You gotta accept one another. And then finally, in verse two of 15, it says this, each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. And simply what he's saying is we need to encourage one another. We need to build people up, not tear people down. We need to build people up and not tear them down. We need to encourage one another. And if you're paying attention tonight, you're going, wait a minute, I've seen that phrase before. Yes, you have, because the very first verse that we read, verse 13, it says, remember the objective and goal. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Paul says this twice. He says it many times in his books, but twice here. 
Because he knows how important it is to build one another up, to encourage each other. He knows the power of words, because so do we. The whole world knows the power of words. You could read a million studies, or you could just read Proverbs 18, where it just says that words have the power to give life, and they have the power to take life away or to bring death. And so Paul would say, what do you need to receive tonight? You need to ask God. You need to accept one another. And you need to encourage one another. I want to pray for you. If you would, just close your eyes. And I invite you to do that just to eliminate distractions and just let you focus for one moment. Before we sing, before we respond, I just want to ask you a couple questions. The first one is, are you pursuing harmony and unity in and through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Maybe for some of you, you've been trying to do it on your own strength. Maybe for some of you, you've been relying on rules or regulations or rituals or being good enough or religion that you were raised with or your family. Maybe you've never trusted your life to Jesus and received this gift, the power of the Holy Spirit. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and if that's you, I just want to invite you wherever you are just to raise your hand so I can pray for you specifically. Thank you. Anyone else? Just raise your hand wherever you just want to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Trust your life to Jesus. That's good. You can go ahead and put your hands down. As we pursue harmony and unity, a life of goodness, a life of patience and peace and joy and grace, all of that comes in and through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So what of those three things stood out for you at the end? Maybe for some of you, it was to asking God, starting with prayer instead of trying to modify behavior or actions. Maybe for some of you, it was accepting or welcoming one another, putting others first. Or maybe for some of you, it was just being an encourager, building people up instead of tearing people down. If any of those three things stood out to you as something you want the Holy Spirit to empower your life differently in one of those three areas, would you just raise your hand wherever you're at? Asking God, accepting others, encouraging one another. Anyone else? Anyone else? Go ahead and put them down. 
So Father, tonight we are um, we're overwhelmed at your goodness and your love. We thank you for your grace and your power, the power of your spirit that leads us and teaches us and guides us. And God, for every individual that raised their hand tonight to trust their life to Jesus, to be filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit, I know that you see them, I know that you love them, I know that you care deeply for them. So I pray, I pray that they would feel the power of your Spirit in a new way in their life. And God, for every single person just with the desire to receive more from you so that they might create more harmony and more unity and more love in their family and in their workplace. God, in their relationships, in their neighborhood, and even in and especially in this church. God, I thank you for your faithfulness and that you will speak and lead and guide and teach. And we look forward to becoming more of who you created us to be. And God, help us to steward well the favor of the people that you bring to us. We pray this in the power of your name. Amen.